heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. This is episode 46 of YWC Football Talk, but I'm going to give you 45 reasons why today will be good. Um, Pun was intended. But anyway, I have a pretty big show today. I am joined. Danny is back, but also making his triumphant return. Big Rat. This is a huge episode, boys. (laughs) And we have no more undefeated teams. The 72 Dolphins, led by Larry Zonka, popping bottles right now. Mercury Morris is celebrating doing fisticuffs in the air at the Washington football team for taking out the last undefeated team. I love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got a good week. We have a lot to uncover this weekend uh, from bad decisions to somewhat good games to Big Rack's favorite quarterback in the world currently on the uh, Monday Night Football docket. You know that? Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen. And we can oh man, talk everything. We can get somewhat of the Nick Foles Carson Wentz debate done too, even though Bobby's not here. Boys, we have got a lot to talk about today. I don't even know where to begin. Nick Foles. The dude got bench for Mitch Trubisky, man. What are we doing here? Listen, this is not how we're going to start the show, bro. We're not doing this right now. Uh, not right now. Maybe later. Not right now, though. <laughs> Let's build some. Let's build some drama before we do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, if we want to build drama, okay. Um, Danny, explain to us how you run a blitz went on a hail mary. Can you can you do that? Like I know Greg Williams got fired for it, and often you hear the term in the NFL that's a fireable offense, but that literally was a fireable offense. Um. So basically, me and a whole bunch of Jet fans are currently starting a fundraiser to build a Greg Williams statue outside of Metlo. My life stadium. That was the single greatest call I've ever witnessed at that point in time. Um, I couldn't have been more happy. You know, maybe if you if you ask a Jaguars fan or you know any other fan in the NFL that it was a bad call, of course. But you know, you're talking to the wrong guy if you want that kind of answer. I loved it, bro. Man, can, like, can you? Are you actually like? I mean, I, I get it. Like, I, I, as someone who like was kind of part of this last year with the Dolphins and the whole tank for Tua stuff. I just can't, like, I don't know if my brain could do that as a fan. Or, like, my team Absolutely, dude. And you're, like, fervently cheering for them to lose on a back-breaking play. It's incredible. Dude, there's been so many years, year after year, where, the, you know, it's the Jets are one play away from that drafting Nick Bosa, you know, Marcus Mariota, you know, so many, so many drafts historically. And this is, you know, hopefully, I mean, we got four, four more games to go. They're all tough. Hopefully this is the year they can just lose out. They deserve at 0-16, Adam Gase deserves that 0-16. We've been through, you know, endless amounts of pain for the past two years. You know, the guy completely ruined Sam Darnold, who we all, you know, that was our prior hopes and dreams of, you know, becoming relevant again, but that's killed. So, no, absolutely, I'm, I'm actively rooting for losses, and I'm enjoying when we lose. And, you know, it's just as good as a win right now, just because of the, you know, the draft situation with Trevor Lawrence. Can I say something? Um. <laughs> So in so say if the Jets end up going 0-16, drafting Trevor Lawrence, if they win like three Super Bowls in five years, Jet fans are going to remember that play is going, this is what led us to this, was this god-awful play like five years ago. Like You're going to look back on that play and go, you know what, that was really smart. But for now, 
it's just ridiculous at how it happened. It's, it's impressive. I mean, like, literally, he not, he lost his job over it. And what's amazing to me is, like, I, I kind of understand blitzing, like, on a Hail Mary. Like, it makes sense intuitively. Like, you don't want to let the guy sit back there, take his time, and then make like the big throw in the end zone where the ball could bounce around or there could be a wide open spot. You don't want what happens, you know, like with like all these Aaron Rodgers, Hail Marys. So I do kind of get blitzing. It's just that you don't have to blitz the house. Like that's the, like, you can have one single high free safety there. Like as insurance, it doesn't have to be everyone. That's what made the call. Like, all right. Ridiculous. So if I can get into the brain of Greg Williams real quick, you know, before he made that call, the play, the play right before that, if Derek Carr wasn't such a shitty quarterback, he had Nelson Aguilar running wide open in the end zone, completely missed the throw. So Greg definitely saw that, and he was like, you know what, let me just be Greg Williams, let me let me send zero blitz at him, and uh, just end the game. Because pressure was working all game, you know? Got to give credit to, to, uh, to Derek there, though, to check out and uh, have Waller, you know, be an extra blocker there to pick up that blitz. And, you know, he hit the throw. Especially to Henry Ruggs, too, who completely sucked all game. Couldn't yes. stand the guy. Could not stand the guy for you know the the drop the pass that caused the interception. He fumbled you know on a on a on the game winning drive. So you know credit there. Yeah, but also the one thing I was going to say too is um, I feel like with Adam Gase, um, Danny, I don't know how much of The Simpsons you watch, but Big Rat, do you remember the episode? It was like a long time ago when Lisa was first born and Bart was imagining what the baby was like, and every time he did something bad, he would just point to the baby and be like. Baby yeah. did it. I feel like that's Adam Gase. Literally, whenever they do something, it's like, who did this? Adam Gase just like points to someone else and says, "That's not my fault." Like, I, I, I just had to get that out there, but because I just the whole how he still has a job. But I feel oh, I know Adam Gate and Adam Gase. I know Greg Williams is an aggressive coach, but oh, when I'm watching that yesterday, I'm just like, how do you do that? Like, oh. yeah, so, the. Finger pointing has definitely uh, been valid uh, this year, especially. Um, he actually did last week for the first time, like take some of the bullets when he like admitted that he hasn't done a good enough job with Darnold. But yeah, I mean, this is like this kind of reminds me. It's a different context. But, like when when the Texans lost to the Saints in Week One of last year, and uh, t- I think the Texans had a cornerback who, like, gave up a big catch to let the Saints get, like, a huge field goal at the end of the episode to win the game. And Bill O'Brien cut the player the very next day. Oh, I remember. Like, it, 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 yeah, it reeks of, like, that, like, kind of, like, emotional, raw, uh, like, you cost us the game, so fuck you, you're fired. Like, it's, <laughs> it, it seemed, I mean, I know they, apparently they had other issues, but still, like, that, that, that's the vibe I got. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been ongoing with uh, with him and Greg. You know, I don't know if you guys remember, but Greg threw him under the bus before that Patriots game, and he wasn't too happy about that. So you know, he's just been he's just been waiting to uh, feel like he's been waiting to do that. But he, I mean, he's going to be fired in four weeks as well. So we're going to sign him to a five year extension. He's going to throw everyone under the bus. I'm not, I won't be surprised if he throws Sam under the bus before the week. I mean, before the year ends. And he's just going to be like, I didn't have enough talent. He threw Mike McCagnan on his bus earlier this week. I don't know if you guys saw that. Which I did. is rightfully so. Rightfully so. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's just who Adam Gates is. And Big Red has been an Adam Gates apologist. So. I have been. I, 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 I was an Adam Gates apologist when he was on Miami, when he was in Miami. And it, if you 
on this pod, on the times I've made podcast appearances this year, I have outright, like we, we did a segment a few weeks back talking about uh, which coach should get fired, and Matt Nagy's name came up. And I compared the two in the sense of, like, same thing with Bill O'Brien. These coaches that have good win-loss records early in their career, but it comes via an unsustainable way, whether it be winning a lot of one-score games, winning a lot of close games, winning a lot of low-scoring games with conservative coaching decisions, you know, that doesn't sustain. Eventually, it blows up in your face. Like, I, I also defended Bill O'Brien for years. Like, the guy might be a dumb GM, but he wins the division every single year. Like, why do we always make fun of him, right? And then this year, he starts 0-4. Gates 0-12. And that's my thing with Nagy. It's like, you might as well get ahead of it. Like, I understand he has a good win-loss record overall, but his style of winning games as a head coach is not going to sustain. He's eventually going to have a year where he, like, starts 0-6. So, get ahead of it now. But, yeah, no, I mean, Gates... Last thing I'll say on this, and I've said this before in this podcast, like the 2016 Dolphins, I mean, Gates does deserve a lot of credit. That team was terrible. Everyone thought the team would suck. Everyone thought the team would go 4 and 12. Everyone. The national media was making fun of the Dolphins. Everyone called them a laughing stock. And they went 10 and 6 and made the playoffs. That deserves respect. No. Since then, he's regressed. Oh for, oh, for sure. No, I'm just saying that, like, with the Chicago situation, why I brought up Matt Nagy was, and even look at yesterday, too, but how you go from, like, even, too, because with the Bears, well, I was going to say the Bears, when they were 3-0, and we went, this is the worst 3-0 and team in the league, and then they beat Tampa on that Thursday night, and everyone was like, oh, okay, maybe they got something going, and then they've fallen off a cliff, they went back to Mitch, and if both... Um, if both if Nagy were to get fired, I think Pace goes as well. I don't think you can do one or the other, j- just because. Um, I think the same thing, but it's either one of two things is going to happen with them. Either they go, or it's a Dan Quinn situation where they stay. It's you know what? It's either get your stuff done now or get out. And then, but they're gone by like the middle of October next year. And I want to add Doug Peterson's name there, but I feel like. They made the playoffs last year, so he's going to have a chance next year. But if all doesn't go well next year, then he's gone. I just wanted to throw that in there as well about Peterson. Honestly, it's going to be crucial for the Bears to make that move, you know, a year before instead of a year ahead. Because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is only getting older. The Lions are the Lions. You know, they're, they're, I don't see any hope there. Um, the Vikings are the Vikings. That awful Kirk Cousins contract, they're always going to be, you know, 8-8, eight 9-7, eight, squeezing in. They have a real chance here to, you know, rebuild that team and you know be be the division leader for years to come so it's going to be a crucial decision I also- yeah and i think we like just to draw the parallel to the dan quinn thing it's like everyone last year thought he was gonna get fired like they started out like one and seven and that's what everyone was saying that he was probably gonna get fired and then he has the late season surge they bring him back and it's like this whole season is just ruined like, I, I learned this the hard way also with the Dolphins in 2015 with Joe Philbin. Now, granted, there was no reasonable argument to bring him back. Like, it, like it was incredibly stupid that they brought him back in the first place. But Joe Philbin, we start the year one and three. He gets fired in week five. And it's like, well, the season's already over. Like, yeah. one month in, and we just wasted a whole year. Like, and that's what you don't want. You don't want, like what Griff was saying, the mid-October firing. And then it's like, okay, we just... He did a whole a whole year for no reason. Um, didn't he get fired on the plane ride back from London, or is like yeah. as soon as they landed? Yeah, it was it was actually after playing Danny's Jet. 
when we beat you guys, yeah, in London. Okay, I remember this. They they got there. They got absolutely destroyed. Those those Todd Bowles era Jets teams used to give the Dolphins a lot of problems because they were always so aggressive, and the Dolphins always had a bad offensive line. Um, yeah, they they got their they got their butts kicked by Todd Bowles, and then he got fired coming coming out of the London game. It was it was rough. Yeah, because yeah, um, very very rough time. The other thing I was going to say too, Big Rex. I remember you mentioned this before, but. It was kind of the same thing with, uh, Daniel probably remember this too, but with the Rex Ryan firing in, I believe, I think it was 2012 or 2013 where he should have been fired the one season, but they bring him back out of pity. So it's like, if you had cut him sooner, it just would have made everything easier. But then when you prolong it, it's just you're pissing off the fan base and you're not helping yourself out at all. Part of me is really, really hoping that there's like, you know, maybe a small 5% chance that the Jets bring Gase back and watch people like Dan <laughs> explode. <laughs> Hold on, hear me out. Like, they haven't fired him yet, which obviously, like, everyone's like, oh, they're trying to preserve the tank. I mean, maybe, but why hasn't he been fired yet? And secondly, I, th- I thought it was interesting. Today he said that his decision to fire Greg, he ran it through Joe Douglas and Christopher Johnson, and they both approved it. And it makes you wonder, it's like, does he have, like, some relationship with Joe Douglas and Christopher Johnson that gives him, like, the flexibility to fire the D.C. and not worry about himself getting fired in the process? Just what, so- I, what I think is he went to, um, to Christopher Johnson and he told Chris Johnson that McCagnet's terrible. Joe Douglas, he's a guy to, to you know, become GM. Because nobody saw that coming. You don't make that move after a draft. So I think, I think Gates did get Joe Douglas that job. What I think is going to happen, which is going to happen is Woody Johnson's going to come back from his ambassador role. He's going to retake the team. He's going to see, oh, I have the number one overall pick. All these head coaches want to come, you know, coach my team. He loves the he loves the national, you know, headlines. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the Bill Cowher reports, today, but that would be insane. I don't believe Woody it. Johnson will all day long. I'm still scared they get hardball, but, you know, hopefully not. And, um, you know, Adam's gone, bro. He, he, he's gone. And if he's not gone and he – gets his fingerprints on Trevor Lawrence, I feel so... I would not come to this team. I wouldn't. I would not be mad if he, if he pulled in the Eli Manning. The, the real Jets thing to do would be to hire Bill O'Brien. <laughs> no, bro. Stop. Stop. Oh. But no, I do agree with... Stop it. Uh, but Danny, I've been hearing like just some guys like Pro Football Talk and saying, like, yeah, like when Christopher Johnson... Or, is it Christopher or Woody? I'm just trying to remember who's over in London Chris, right now. Chris, Christopher is in, his, uh, in that brother you know who's way above his, his position right now but yeah chris is the uh is the brother woody's the actual owner no i meant though the one that's in london right now serving with trump woody 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 i was basically people were saying like pro football talk was saying that with woody like woody's gonna come back from london and do an ari goal basically where he goes in and just tells like points everyone go you 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 get the fuck out you're fired like, yeah yeah like and it could that's happen exactly what he should do um the bill cower thing i feel like would be cool but i feel like it's just boomer size and kind of like you know, pumping Cowers tires as they work together at CBS and just to, like, get New Yorkers talking, being like, oh, hey, what if Bill Cower comes out of retirement? Like, we see it, we've seen it for a few years with Dungy, and we saw it forever with Gruden. Like, Gruden obviously came back, but... I just believe that Trevor's that special that that would be a move to, to have a coach like that come out. And, and I don't, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it does happen. But that's how special this kid is, that... that Coaches are going to line up to coach this kid and, and take over this team. You know, we have a bright future, believe it or not, with uh, with our draft capital, our cap space. 
Because the Dolphins, look out, it's not hard to turn around an NFL team um, in 2020. No, 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 for it's sure. Um, just moving on topics now, I want to ask you guys, what was the bigger surprise yesterday? Uh, for a bigger loss, I should say, how bad they played, Tennessee or Seattle? Seattle. Seattle, yeah. I, um, I actually, early in the week, so I'm very much on team the Browns are still frauds, and I, I'm still on that position, even after yesterday's win. Um, uh, I don't think it's crazy to think that the Browns could lose to the Jets. I know Danny wants to think it's all locked up, but I would circle that one as maybe one to worry about. Uh, it's very simple. The Browns have only beaten a bunch of bad teams. The Browns are really easy to figure out. Like Baker Mayfield is kind of like Jared Goff in this way. It's like when the opposing team can't get any pressure, he can have success. When they do, he turns into a total pumpkin. The Titans are 30th in the NFL in pressure rate. They don't have any pass rush whatsoever. Vic Beasley was cut. Jadavian Clowney is on IR. Like, they just they have no pass rush whatsoever. So, yes, they're a really good team, but it's not surprising to me that the Browns' offense put points on them uh, when Baker has a clean pocket all day. It's kind of like it's kind of like playing the Bengals to him. So, I wasn't that surprised, honestly. Like, I, 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 even, though I, even though I'm very down on the Browns, I, it did not shock me at all to see that result. If you want to be impressed by the Browns, Let's see them do that against the Ravens. Let's see them do that against the Steelers. Do that against teams that are going to have hands in Baker's face, and then I'll be impressed. But for now, I'm still holding off for that reason. So, yeah, what happened to Seattle, especially since it's to a backup quarterback, and, I mean, I, 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 they, they, I did think the Giants would cover because the Seahawks just can't win comfortably ever, like literally no matter what. They, all their games. Yeah, yeah they're uh, But... Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was like most fans when the Giants got the, when the Seahawks got the ball back um, late in the fourth quarter. You just kind of think, okay, this is just this is just what they do. They drive down the field, they score a touchdown with like thirty seconds left, you know, to give them a one to two point lead. Like that's just what they do. So yeah, that was that was more surprising to me. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Just because, like, well. Seeing Alex Larson miserably tweet yesterday during the game, I was like, yeah, I feel like how Seahawks fans are feeling right now. But, man, because with Seattle, like, I was saying this myself earlier today. I'm like, there are so many teams out there, you don't know what you're going to get week to week. Like, Cleveland and Tennessee fall in that category. Seattle kind of, too. Like, I understand they've had a lot of good victories this year, but there's a lot of games, too, where they come out and you're like, okay, who are these guys? And then, like, same thing, too, obviously, like, teams like the Colts, the uh, Patriots, the Raiders... Even, like, the Bills and the Dolphins, like, each week, you don't know what you're going to get with some of these teams, but, like, I'm saying this right now, but the Jets, the Giants' defense, this year to last year, it's, like, a <coughs> totally new team. Like, the offense is still good. Like, I'm just thinking of how they probably win a couple games if they have Saquon, because the other thing I was going to say, too, with the Giants, their only real bad loss was that game week three against the Niners. Besides that, like... Like, look, they took Tampa to the brink about a month ago. Like, you were on for that one, Big Rat. Like, I remember you and I were podcasting as that game was going on. The Bucks, the Bucks are the most overrated team in the NFL and have been for a little while now. Uh, but yes, I they did they they also played the Rams tough not that long ago. Remember, there was like a huge spread. They were like underdogs by like fourteen points, and it was a one possession game the whole way through. They're they're tough. They're well coached, and uh, their defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, Dolphins defensive coordinator last year. Uh, he's he's making a difference. You, you, you just got like a lot of a lot of middling guys in their defense that are having career years. And Danny's not going to like this, but Leonard Williams, who Jets fans thought was a bust, who couldn't who 
could get pressure, but couldn't get sacks, couldn't be a true difference maker. I mean, he's he's playing lights out right now. Like, there's no other way around it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm very happy for Leonard, honestly. Um, yeah, the thing with the Giants, bro, is I think COVID really impacted them as far as, you know, having the new coach come in, trying to gel together. You know, it, it took them a little bit of time. But that, de- you know, James Bradbury was a hell of a signing. Blake Martinez was a hell of a signing. You know, that defense is... I would say top five in the league right now. I'm not sure what the numbers say, but Logan you know, Ryan they're, too. They're a tough out. They're a tough out. Logan Ryan as well. Yeah. Um. Th- their problem is just is, is Daniel Jones just turning the ball over constantly. You can't just keep running that defense onto the field, back onto the field. So you know it's going to be a crucial four game stretch stretch for uh, Daniel. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm thinking I'm thinking the the, the Washington football team is going to take that division. Yeah, I mean, can Daniel not turn it over? Um, I mean, we've talked about that Bucks game. I mean, that's what made that Bucks game so hard to watch. Like, the Giants were clearly playing better that day. And Danny Jones was just missing open guys. The interceptions at midfield, like, he just – he gave them no chance. And against – it's weird. It's ironic because the the Giants have actually beaten the Washington twice. Um, But you have to wonder, you know – between Alex Smith and Danny Dimes, Dimes is more likely to have multi-turnover games down the stretch here. And that could be the difference, ultimately. Exactly. We'll oh, um, I was sorry to cut you off. I was going to say, like, if it's one of those questions, like, who do you trust more in a crucial game? Everyone's going to pick Alex Smith. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As you should. You should. Yeah, and just like, just like that whole, like, like, I mean, so we're saying nice things about the Giants' defense. I mean, Washington's defense is pretty good, too. That's the thing. Like, they're, they have a lot of the same strengths that they can cling to. Exactly. Um, but what was I going to say as well? Um, man, big rap. We talked about this before we started, but, like, we talked about Miami. But, man, I don't know why, but something about how, how hot Brian Flores got in that game yesterday, something about that I just, like, loved. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was... That was that was really that was pretty surreal. Uh, the whole bench cleared. Like that's the thing. Like I mean, Brian Flores very much like caused that that thing to to get even more heated than it was. And I, I'm not saying that like it's a bad thing. I'm just saying when he did that, like there were like six Dolphins players that instantly jumped off the bench right after him. Because when you see your head coach go to the opposing sideline, you're going to go to the opposing sideline. Uh, yeah, I mean he Brian Flores. I mean I feel like. We've talked about the Griff, me and you have talked about this before on this show. Yeah. He's not like those other Belichick disciples for that reason. He's not trying to be authoritarian Bill. You know, he he really is his own guy. Like he just he lets his players be free. I don't know if you guys saw this, but like Mike Silver today was saying that Detroit Lions players compared Patricia being fired to the the crushing of the Berlin Wall. Like, it was so aggressive. Like, Marvin, and, like, Marvin Jones said, like, this is the most fun I've had playing football in years. It's like, wow. These guys are so oppressed because, like, Patricia's being such a hard-ass around them all the time. And Brian Flores is just being himself. And he's he's naturally just a very emotional guy. Like, last year, Danny, I remember in that Jets game where, yeah. yeah, that defensive pass interference penalty came in. Which, by the way, I mean, it was DPI. I think Dolphin fans are fucking stupid to complain about this. Like, it was DPI. It, it should have been called DPI in the first place. So I, I don't see why that was such a controversy. But Flores was hot. Flores was hot. He was yelling at the refs. He's a very emotional guy. And 
he truly does care about other people. Like not just because his, not just like his players. Like if you guys ever watch his media sessions, I mean, he cares a lot about these beat writers. He congratulated Cam Wolf from ESPN, the Dolphins beat writer for NFL Nation. He congratulated him on having a baby a few days ago, like out of the blue. Like he just brought it up randomly on his own. Like, hey, Cam, you had a baby. Congrats! And they were talking about raising a baby. It's like wow. he's just he's just that kind of guy. Like he's really he's the kind of guy that like really tries hard to like look after other people even people he doesn't know very well so yeah when you translate that to a football team players you see every day you know he's he's called the, his football players his children in interviews before like he he cares about them a lot so he gets emotional and he does things like storm the field i i love the two griff you're right it's cool the players all love him for that reason i will say like i i, I would calm down a little bit i think it's hard to tell your team to not commit unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and stuff like that happens. But, you know, one game, heat of the moment, show your passion, I think it's it's fine. As long as it's not like a continual trend. Um, so, yeah, no, it's definitely very nice to see. No, that's fair. I was just, I just wanted to point that out. Just like, I love it when coaches have like that fiery spirit. And with Flores, like, no, you're right. Where, and also too, Marvin Jones had a hell of a game yesterday. Um, but the one thing I was going to say with Flores is, he just takes certain mannerisms of Belichick's, but he applies his own like his own like kind of recipe to it. Like he tries to be Brian Flores, like Matt Patricia was trying to be a Bill Belichick clone, which clearly failed. Yeah, yeah, he comes into his own, and that that's how you have to be. I think that's as a coach, like because I think player, players can see through you, man. Like players, they're not kids. Like these are paid adults. Like they can see through a lot of bullshit. So. You gotta be especially if they're not winning either. Absolutely. Yeah, like now Detroit has like I still have the questions of who's gonna be there next year. Like they have the both their big wide receivers are uh, free agents like Marvin Jones and Galladay, and I know understand like they have Swift, they have Hawkinson who looks great, but you have that big Matt Stafford contract. So I really gotta wonder what exactly is Detroit gonna do this offseason On another note, probably depends on what head coach they get. Um, like if you get like a head coach, like a, like a Bill Cowher who like wants to win right now, then you probably do want to keep Stafford to accelerate the timeline. Um, but if you want to hire a coach, a younger coach who wants to take on a rebuilding project, then maybe it is time to move on. So I think, I think they can go in either direction. It'll be interesting to watch. That, that might be the worst job on the market, um, this off season because you know, like they, they, they're just not talented enough man and, and Matt Stafford is what he is like is he really going to be that great quarterback I know his stats are great but how many of those stats were at garbage time you know throughout his career so I, I you know th- th- that might be a job that you know someone like an Eric Bianca you know passes I mean uh, ends up taking or you know like one of these coaches that just didn't get the top job and they have to settle for something and they really want to be a head coach or they do a panic hire like what you saw. And he has done a good... I know Big Rat's still not a believer, but um, I still did give props to the job that Kevin Stefanski has done in Cleveland. Like, kind of that situation where, like, Cleveland could have waited and gotten Robert Sala, maybe, but then they decided, you know what? Hey, Stefanski's available now because Minnesota lost a divisional round game last year, so we'll go out and hire him. That's my only fear is that, look, you make, an, like, a hire out of impulse, which they shouldn't do. And I did, I did see the Sala stories, too. Yeah. That does make sense. Yeah, because I, I, I've heard that, uh, and I've also spoken to a couple Lions fans who do want Robert Sala for the job, and they also want Lewis Riddick as their GM. 
So we'll see what happens. But if I had to say for B enemy, I honestly think the Houston job is the one that I feel like will be trying to get him. That's a good fit. That's a real good fit. I yeah. just heard that the league isn't as high as you know, uh, you know people on social media are about the enemy. So I, I mean, don't know. And look, I, I, well, I, I want to say two things. One, even though I think the Browns, I don't take, I don't think are as good as their record. I mean, I objectively admit Stefanski's doing a good job. I mean, part of the reason why he's doing such a good job though is like they, they're perfectly scheming around Baker Mayfield's issues. It's like they're a run-heavy team. Like Kirk Cousins, all the success largely comes off play action, which was also true yesterday, by the way. Like they they successfully find a, find ways to mitigate around his issues. I think Stefanski's coaching very very well. I just don't know if I take them seriously enough to like win a playoff game against one of these teams that are going to have hands in Baker's face all game. Um, but yeah, no, I the enemy. Look, I understand that you know. The offense is so legit and all that. But let's let's take a step back and realize the previous two guys that were Andy Reid's offensive coordinators, they're about to get fired this year, possibly, in Doug Peterson and then Matt Nagy. Yeah. I mean, it's just like it's not it's not it's no disrespect to the enemy. It's just that everyone knows Reed is calling the plays. It's just it's hard to give whoever that guy is a lot of credit for the success of the team. Um so I think that's the complicated part with the enemy. You don't know how much is him, how much is the people around him. And, I mean, Nagy was literally the guy right before him, and Nagy's about to get fired. So, you know, it's not exactly a great indication of his own quality. Um, yeah, I've heard the same thing, that maybe, like, other people around the league aren't as interested for that reason. But I, mean, I do think he makes a change, either to take a head coaching job, or maybe he kind of does, like, what Patrick Graham did, where he makes a lateral move to another team, but a team where he can get more credit and things go well. Like Patrick Graham left the Dolphins to the Giants. I'm convinced, and so are the Dolphins beat writers, because he wasn't going to get any credit for the defense in Miami as long as Flores was there. And like Flores has said it this year about Josh Boyer. Like he says in press conferences, Josh Boyer is doing a great job, but too much of the credit goes to Flores because he's a defensive-minded head coach and he's very involved with the defense, etc. Now Patrick Graham's with the Giants, and you're hearing his name on Get Up. You're hearing his name on First Take. You're hearing Patrick Graham's name on social media get more respect because he's not underneath a head coach who soaks up all the credit. So maybe if the enemy doesn't get a head coaching job, maybe that's what you'll see him do. Like go be an offensive coordinator like in Detroit or something to where if the offense does do well, then he actually will get all the credit and then he'll get a head coaching job the next year. We'll see. You know what? I, I can honestly see something like that happening. You know what? Um, like even too, like I know Patrick Graham's now his name, for example, is getting thrown in that head coaching thing, which I think's uh, maybe a little bit like you know what? I feel like maybe it'll be another year kind of thing, like where you hear, hey, he may be a head coach, but I feel like he may take another year and see what happens with the Giants because the Giants are building something special in New York, obviously. Um, but no, I do agree with your points about Eric Bieniemy. Like other names too, you're hearing with head coaches right now is like. Brian Dayball, Robert Sala, obviously, like we said before. Um, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. Um, there's just a lot out there. One, on, and honestly, too, there's one uh, name I want to, I love hearing, but I, how everyone assumes that, uh, I'm, tripping, tripping, I'm tripping over my words here. So you know how, like, there's the whole stuff with, like, Bruce Arians and um, Tampa Bay? how they're potentially getting fired, and everyone thinks, like, oh, is the relationship so rocky? Like, I've heard Mike Greenberg say it before. It's like, oh, how can this be fixed? Um, 
Big Rat. Actually, I don't know really if I've, I don't know how publicly I've said this, but there's this app called the Locker Room app, and each week, like, people, like, anyone can go on there and do live and, like, talk sports. Mm-hmm. And I actually got to talk to Jeff Darlington last week about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, and I, and I basically just threw out the point of how, hey, for anyone who says that, oh, this relationship's crooked, like, obviously we know the Bucks aren't as good as everyone was advertised. Like, they're, they're just Cleveland Browns in the respect of, oh, they're this great team, they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but then everyone now is like, pump your brakes. Uh, but I basically said, look, Brady has not been called out publicly at all in his career. That's all that's happening here. So it's not, oh, there's friction, there's rockiness. No, it's just Arians is a bit of a hard-ass coach who, you know what, will call you out in front of the media. Meanwhile, Bill did it to your face. Yeah. So that's, all, that's the only thing I wanted to throw in there. Like, And also, too, I just want to say this. I always said this with the Bucks, where I thought this year was going to be a bit of a write-off and that it was next year where I look at it as the year they potentially go for it all. Yeah, I think that's correct. And I think um, if, if Arians were to leave, I don't think it would be like uh, Bucks ownership is going to fire him because he's holding the team back. I think it would be like maybe he retires again, maybe the, you know, because he did retire originally. Yeah. And by, you know, maybe he just came back to like, there was one report that he came back mainly to help his friends get head coaching jobs, like to help Todd Bowles get another head coaching job, to help Byron Leftwich build his career, you know, stuff like that. And like he, I believe he has like the most diverse staff in the entire NFL too. So maybe he retires because like he's just exhausted by like the entire scrutiny around him. But I agree, it would more so be a next year thing. My only thing with the Bucks is it's very simple. Like it's not even that. I mean, I don't think they're going to go to the Super Bowl this year, but it's not even that I'm saying it's impossible that they can do it. It's just we don't give this benefit of the doubt to anyone else. Like, they have five losses. We're not talking about how the Colts can still make the Super Bowl, how the Raiders can still make the Super Bowl. And that's their company. That's Those are, those are the teams with the same record as them. Like, it's just like we, we give them so much slack for losing all the time that we just don't give to other teams around the league. And that's what's so annoying to me. Like, look, like I've been saying this to and Matt Beast. This is gonna make him super happy. I am. I had the Saints, and I'm pretty sure I said it to you, Big Rad, back in August. I had Ravens yeah. and Saints as my Super Bowl, which now one of those teams, yep. yeah, it looks a little wonky. I, if someone said to me, "Here's a hundred bucks. Who are you betting to make the Super Bowl?" One of those teams, a hundred percent, is the Saints, and like no one notices. Look, they're ten and two, where you've missed Breeze now for three games. You've barely had Michael Thomas this year. Be Michael Thomas. Like, I don't know what else the Saints have to do. Like, I know we're just changing subjects quickly, but I don't know what else the Saints have to do to be looked at as, look, they're this juggernaut where everyone still thinks, oh, Aaron Rodgers or, oh, Russell Wilson. But the Saints have the best defense in the NFC and quite possibly the NFL right now, maybe only second to, like, Pittsburgh or Kansas City. Yeah, I think I think part of it is a taste of Hill thing for now, where it's like, you know, I see everyone keeps saying, like, oh, there isn't a complete team in the NFC. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, the Saints are pretty, pretty, they have a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. That's pretty complete to me. But because right now Taysom's the starter and he doesn't, like, engender a lot of respect or a lot of confidence, um, I think people are kind of looking past it. And hopefully when Breeze comes back, people will, like, get their heads together and realize it, realize their mistakes. Um, because I do agree. I do think they're they're fully balanced for that reason. Yeah, because yeah, like, I, I think with the Saints, bro, um, it's been like what two, three years now that they, they've just been awesome in the regular season, bro. Like you know, number one, number two seed, if not number three, 
and they're just losing in the playoffs. They're one and done. So it's just, you know, people have to see the Saints win that playoff game, I think, to really start see, uh, taking them serious. They're, they're a great regular season team year after, year after year. But, you know, last year with Teddy Bridgewater, same scenario. Now it's Taysom Hill. So everyone knows they're going to win the division. They're going to win games in the regular season. They just choke in the playoffs. Well, this year, this year they're also, unless something crazy happens, they're very likely to be the only team that gets the one seed. So, you know, that 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 I, I know they've had a first-round bye before, but it's different this time because they're the only team with the bye. So you wonder if that, like, gives them a comparative advantage over the rest of the field. Uh, so that, that that'll be something to monitor. But because, like, it, it's either going to be them or the Packers, I think, because the Packers do have the tiebreaker over them. Um, but the Saints... The Saints are kind of on a roll right now, though, so I don't, I don't know. Even even when they play the Chiefs, I don't know. I just kind of kind of trust the Saints to just win this win out as of right now. And the, and the, and the thing is, they're winning with defense, man. Yep. They're winning with defense. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Like I was gonna say, why I'm so high on them because I like, look, Seattle's defense is very wish wish wash and green. I'm, I also have a bold take to make right now. That Green Bay defense is either going to win or lose people. Fantasy championships because they play the Titans week sixteen. You heard it here first. Like yeah, and they and the problem is like they, it's specifically like they just can't stop the run at all. And I mean Derrick Henry week sixteen that, that that's that's very very concerning. I agree with you. It seems very feast or famine in that specific matchup. Yeah, like you're gonna because like I remember it was a few years ago where uh, who was it? Hawkins had that game against Pittsburgh on Christmas where he had that unreal catch, which I'm pretty sure won a lot. I think won a lot of people fantasy leagues that year. I think it was like 2016 or 2017, one of the two. Yeah, it was like it was like a Monday night football game, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and also just like David Johnson moment back in 2016 when David Johnson actually was, hey, you know what, a good NFL running back. Um, what was the other thing I was gonna say? Like. Um, I'm Danny Big Rat. I know we have a. Well, this is actually the first time ever. Dolphins fan, Jets fan. Oh, and uh, it was almost Victory Monday for all three of us. But I had a love hate relationship with the media today. And it was how, Victory Monday. Yeah. Okay. So it was okay. Victory Monday so, for me for sure. <laughs> okay. So we'll say Victory Monday in probably the worst way for Danny. Um, I, I always say worst, not worst way for us, just because of what happened. But and for you, it's Victory Monday. You're like happy right now, but. I love how everyone was saying how they were surprised with how New England handled L.A. yesterday. Like, I went into the game, like, I picked the Chargers just because I was like, you know what, every time I pick against the Patriots, it seems to work in my pessimistic self. But I listened to part of my take on Barstool Sports on Friday, and they literally said, Bill Belichick versus Anthony Lynn, it's all you need to know. And after yesterday's game, I was like, yep, Bill Belichick and Anthony Lynn. Like, that's... And special teams too. The Chargers have the worst special teams in the league, and for against a team like Patriots, that like especially last year, they got into the habit of like winning games off of their special teams, like getting blocked punts for touchdowns, blocked punts to set them up for the zone. Like that, that was just something they absolutely feasted on. Exactly. They just, oh my god! But even now too, like I saw a Rappaport tweet today saying. Anthony's lids well respected, but his seat's getting warm, and I'm like, yeah, that's what happens when you go three and nine, miss the playoffs, and get your butts kicked by Bill Belichick, forty-five to nothing. There, 
Here's a fun stat. Uh, for all the grief that Cam Newton has gotten this year, uh, Cam Newton, he started eleven. He has started 11 games for the Patriots this year because he didn't play the Chiefs game. Yeah. He, he's responsible for 16 offensive touchdowns. Tom Brady, in his last 11 games for the Patriots last year, was responsible for 14 offensive touchdowns. No, I know Sports Talk Radio in Boston likes to mock Cam for having so few touchdown passes. But when you consider overall touchdowns, the offense is slightly more productive in scoring touchdowns with Cam than they were the last 11 games with Brady last year. I'm also going to say something too right now with Cam. I honestly can see everyone saying, oh, Cam's going to want too much money. I can see Cam taking less, staying here, and... Kind of doing like what Alex Smith did in 2017, where the Patriots draft someone young, or you know what they, for some reason, so then you can have a battle between the young guy and Stidham because I don't think Hoyer's back next season. And also, too, the Patriots have a lot of money to spend this offseason, like the Jets. Obviously, not as much because the Jets obviously have a lot of draft capital. But man, for as exciting as this finish, and also too, for everyone saying asking me, oh, do I think they run the table? I am taking it one game at a time because if. They get their asses kicked, or if they lose to the Rams, then yesterday was means nothing. Uh, I think Greg Bedard, I think, put it best today on his Twitter account when he said, you know, obviously the Patriots, it's like, you know, you need a young quarterback to develop, like, long-term and all that, but you would rather do, you would rather run it back with Cam than do a different aging veteran quarterback for one year, because it's going to be the same problem where they have to acclimate, right? They have to learn the New England system and get chemistry with the receivers and all this and that. Like, I just, I don't see why. I understand how Cam wins is, like, unconventional. Like, it's weird to have your quarterback, like, throw for, like, 100 yards a game and it to work. But I think you would rather just run it back, see what the improvements in receiver and top it end, and see what an actual offseason, like Cam being having OTAs, Cam having preseason games, just seeing what that does might give you better return than, like, 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 what are you going to do? Like, get Alex Smith for a year? It's like, I just... Nick Foles. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> yeah. You, are, are we at that point in the program now? You or know what? We are. We are. Boys, go ahead. We are missing Bobby Gross in this argument, that. but... For that. All right, all right. This is how this shit all started. This all started... This all started back in 2014. Me, Bobby, and Danny were on a Skype call in the summer. Nick Foles had just had his 27-touchdown, two-interception season, which was a fluke, and Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly's offense as a whole, was just dominating the NFL at that point. It wasn't even really quarterback-specific. We were on a Skype call in the summer, and I said that Ryan Tannehill, entering 2014, would have a better year than Foles and Bobby just like started laughing uproariously like he just couldn't he couldn't fucking handle this he was like laughing like you're such an idiot how could you think that so sure enough Nick Foles sucked because that's what he does he sucks at football he was outplayed by Mark Sanchez that year something that is never talked about in the story of his career that always forgotten that Mark Sanchez played eight games that year and outplayed Nick Foles and that's why they shipped Nick Foles to the Rams they didn't like the the narrative of his career after that Super Bowl was he had the 27 touchdown two interception season, then he sucked for the Rams because Jeff Fisher sucks, and then he won the Eagles a Super Bowl. No, 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 no. They're conveniently ignoring 
that year where he was outplayed by Mark Sanchez in the Jim Kelly offense, and the Eagles realized that he wasn't anything special. Sure enough, Ryan Tannehill kept his job. I won the argument because, of course, I did because Tannehill was better than Foles. Then we enter 2018 where Nick Foles, Tannehill is hurt, playing with a torn capsule in his shoulder, doesn't even, shouldn't even be playing. He's only playing because he tore his ACL in 2016, he missed all of 2017, and he knew that if he missed all of 2018, the Dolphins were going to cut him. The only chance he had to stay with the Dolphins was to play while hurt and see if he could do enough to win some games with Adam Gase. He ultimately could not, and Nick Foles on the Eagles team, which at the time still had the best offensive line in the league and decent play calling, had a three-touchdown, four-interception run to close the season, scoring an average of 15 points per game, and QB wins marks like Danny and Bobby fell in love with him again and started mocking me for saying Tannehill was better than him. Sure enough, Tannehill goes to Tennessee, is an MVP candidate two years in a row. Nick Foles gets benched by Gardner Minshew, and then he gets benched by Mitch Trubisky. Benched by Phenomenal, phenomenal situations that he went into, by the way. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Star-studded offenses. I know, I know. And it's, it's so impressive that those bad quarterbacks in those same terrible situations were better than him. Doesn't that say something? By how much? So come on now, by how much? Like we're not talking night and day here. Hey, you the know? Bears, the Bears' offense with Nick Foles, could, they can't score. Bobby, I mean, Danny, sorry, I interchange you guys on these bad arguments for Foles. They, they had a they had a game against the Rams where they scored three offensive points. A game against the Giants against the the Vikings where they scored six offensive points. And a game against the Titans, the same Titans that fucking Baker Mayfield just lit up. And they had three points with less than five minutes in the fourth quarter. In fact, they could not score. Like, the Bears with Trubisky, they, like, Trubisky will make mistakes. He obviously is still a bad quarterback. But at least they could score. At least they could get touchdowns. Like, that's that's the big difference between the two. And so, yeah, Foles, Foles the story of Foles is very simple. He, with the best offensive line in the league, which is what the Eagles' offensive line was in that Super Bowl team, with great play calling, which is what they had when Frank Reich was on the staff with Doug Peterson, and with a really talented group of skill players, he played well, by the way, against the Patriots defense that Griff can tell you was terrible that year. That's what everyone fucking ignores. That was the worst Patriots defense in the past 20 years. Yeah, They were getting lit up by everyone. Everyone was lighting up that defense. You literally just explained Ryan Tannehill's situation. Literally just explained it to a T in, uh, in Tennessee. So is that why he's playing up the league? No, because Tannehill in Miami is doing better than Nick Foles was in these terrible situations, too. That's the difference. A uh, Big Red, I will agree with you, though. Like, that was the year, remember, Brady? Because Brady did win MVP in 2017 and carried. Sure, did the um, Patriots defense win them the game against Jacksonville? No, but they did have a play that basically... Save them the game. That's the only thing I want to add to this argument because I don't have any part in it. I'm just the guy sitting here eating my popcorn. Um, but, no, I will agree with that, that that Patriot defense was not good. Like, out of all the Super Bowls I say, because, like, the two Giants ones I would take back, but I always say this, that in the, 27, in the Super Bowl 52, the Eagles were the better team. I say it for 46, but I don't like to. But 52, I confidently say, you know what, the Eagles were the better football team that night. And I, I just I just think that it should be, football's a team game. The Eagles were the better team because they had the better O-line and the better D-line and like better, co- better coaching in that game. Not that they have a better 
coach to begin with. That coach is about to get fired, of course. Um, He's Frank right. I just think I think people need to where people struggle with analyzing the NFL is just I think for almost for most quarterbacks for probably like every quarterback in the top twenty five in the top thirty in the NFL if you give them the best O line in the league the best play calling in the league and a talented group of skill position players and a good defense like they can win like Case Keenum that same year was in the AFC title game. Like Blake Bortles that same year was in the AFC title game. It's like even bad quarterbacks with an excellent situation can win a lot of games. Why, why do we have to make it more than what it is? It's so weird to me, so weird to me that Foles wins that Super Bowl and everyone makes excuses for him. But Blake Bortles and Case Keenum, who won one less game than he did, like one step further in the playoff bracket, and they get no respect whatsoever. But Foles that extra game, and you have people like Danny and Bobby making excuses for him when he plays terrible in other situations. I just, I don't understand it. Um, can I add something? I just want to add quickly that because Peter King wrote this in today, that 35 months ago, the Jaguars held a 20 to 10 lead with 10 minutes to go in the AFC title game. Yep. Ever since then, they're 12 and 33. Oof. Wow. That's I just saw that from Peter King. It blows his mind. It doesn't blow my mind, but oh, I had some I had someone on here who was te- oh no, um, it was Calais Campbell who said in an interview that they lost Mercedes Lewis and they lost uh, Paul Puzzlesny to retirement, which they said after those two went away, like those are character guys in the locker room, which someone doesn't realize how important those players are. When you lose character guys, that's when the morale of the team really goes down. But to add to the point to this, like. I like to say this too that you know how the uh, like Case Keenum led Vikings were in the a- NFC title game, Big Rat. Yep. If that game is the Saints, like so, say if the Minneapolis miracle never happens, yep. Saints win that game. Mm-hmm. The Eagles do not win as big as they do against the Saints. Yeah. That's something oh, I will I, say. I I agree with you fully. They just they have the Saints. The Saints have experience. They have pedigree. They have more composure. Like yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't think if they were to lose, maybe they lose on like some heartbreaking play because that's what they do. But they wouldn't have gotten crushed like like they were by Philly in that game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't think they. I, I don't know if the Saints win that game, but I know it's not a 30 point ass whooping. Like I think it was 36 to seven or something like that. Well, it, it also just goes to show like uh, the Eagles. Like people are speculating that Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson might get fired, which is wild to me after winning a Super Bowl only three years ago. Obviously, Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone are. I mean, Dave Caldwell already fired. Doug Marone going to be showed the door soon. When they were in the AFC title game a few years ago, it just goes to show that like what what's impressive about the Patriots and the Saints is the consistency. It's not about the number of championships that the Patriots win. It's just always being a twelve win team, always being a thirteen win team. That's why the Patriots and the Saints are where they are, and it just goes to show that. If you if Danny ever wants hope on how his Jets can do it one day, like even even a bad franchise like the Jaguars can just kind of stumble into almost winning the Super Bowl. Like, you know, the Eagles can stumble into an actual Super Bowl. Like it's just it's wild. It's wild. Yeah, I've seen it too. I've seen it myself. Twenty ten. Yep. That that Jets team that that Jets team might have won it all if they beat the pack if they beat the Steelers. I really believe that. Fuck yeah. that Jets team. Uh, I believe that too. To this fuck, that, fuck that Jets team. Did, 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 didn't Rex Ryan say in an inter- say that in an interview <laughs> that they would have beat the, they would he said they would have killed the Packers. 
don't know about all that, but um, I think they were they were better than the uh, Giants that year. Or no, no, who was the Packers player? Uh, Steelers. The Steelers, yeah, the Steelers. I'm sorry, I'm for it. But yeah, I think I think so too, man. They just had a really bad first half. Uh, they were down whatever it was, nineteen to zero. They almost came back too. Yeah, they almost came yeah. back. But yeah, Nick Nick Foles is not good at football. Uh, he can he can play well in a great situation. I just think I just don't think that's that uncommon. That Andy Dalton like played great in a great situation. It's just that's just true of most quarterbacks in the league. I don't think there's anything unique about that. So, so my yeah, question to you: Tannehill's in a great situation, but not unique. Will Nick Foles start another NFL game in his career? Uh, I'll say yes. Because you say yes? okay. I mean, we just we just saw Colt McCoy start an NFL game a few days ago. Like, if that's the standard, then name the starter. Then is what I mean. Uh, Colt McCoy not coming as a backup. A week starter. Do you mean like a week one starter kind of thing? I will go with that. Like, if maybe if the Bre- if the Bengals want a red shirt Burrow for next year, maybe there. Maybe and like that that in that example like yes that's a good example example, I could see it it's kind of it's kind of like cheating because it's a very specific scenario where they want a guy only for a certain amount of time like as like a as like their starter moving forward Um, for in that Bengal situation I'll say yes I'll say I'll say it's possible because I mean. This league made Mike Glennon a week one starter after he was back up for the Bucks for like three years. Like this league does stupid shit like that all the time. So I'll say yes. But do I to answer your follow up though, do I think he'll get benched again? Yes I do. If that happens. Absolutely. I wanna know what That's Mike Glennon's career earnings are. He he made he had that, that three year fifty one million dollar deal a few years ago. With Chicago, yeah. He was a backup. For three years, and three then years. he was like the old free agent quarterback available, and they gave him a massive contract. It's three years, forty-six million, too, bro. Three years, forty-five million. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, man. And now, and now he's now he's uh, now he's building up his resume again with all these competitive games. With and, he, and he should have won that damn game yesterday too. It should have. He threw well, a bad interception in overtime, though. Motherfucker, yeah. 30, was it third, third and 30 or something? That, you know, yeah. Vikings punting the ball. And they just fuck it up, man. If, if the Jaguars win another game, will you then root for the Jets in one to avoid Oh, absolutely. Them? Hell yeah. I want to kill the Patriots week 17 if the Jags win another game. Why? Don't say that. Oh, that would be that would, that would be the cherry on top, man. Still getting the number one pick and kicking the Patriots out of the playoffs. What? Great season, bro. Best season since 2010, honestly. Or 20, not. Nah, 2015 was nice, but just the heartbreak, you know, at the end just ruined it. Absolutely ruined it. Yo, week fifth, yo, week fifteen, uh, sixteen, Jaguars versus the Bears. Yeah, I think I think that's a jag shot, man. So hey, don't don't. I'm telling you, Jets against the Browns. I'm telling you, don't like. I understand they're nine and three, so you might think it's crazy. Their defense is very bad, which was also true yesterday. The Titans still put put points on them the whole day. The game's going to be in New York, and I think the Jets have a better chance to get pressure in Baker Mayfield's face than the Titans did, even though the Titans are obviously a significantly better team. We so, have no pass rush. We do in the same. You have better pass rush than they do. You have better pass rush than they do. They have, like, legit the second worst in the league. And our secondary is non-existent as well. 
there's no there's these teams these next four teams the Seahawks the Rams the the Browns and the and the um what was it the Patriots I literally think they all drop thirty every single one of them. Well, you can you just drop twenty eight on the Raiders like you can do something. The Raiders defense has been bad though. It's I know. Years so, been saying that. So has the Browns defense been? People got could they had a few games with very high mile per hour wins in in Cleveland Stadium, but if you look at the majority of their season, I mean the Bengals. Here's the like the Bengals offense is not has not been good this year at all. But people think that Burrow was like lighting it up because they destroyed the Browns defense two games in a row where they dropped thirty points on them. And watch the Bengals offense versus every other team in the league and they can barely move the ball. But they play the Browns and they absolutely light them up both times. That, that's also a division opponent. You know, that's those are different kinds of games. It is, but dude, like the Mike Glenn, Mike Glennon's Jaguars dropped twenty five on them like last week. It's just, it's not. Yeah, a good yeah that's that, that, that's true. But I, I don't know, man. I just don't. Sam, Sam, I've completely lost faith in Sam. He's making the same mistakes over and over, week after week. Um, I just, I just don't see points on this team. The only reason we put up those points was because the run game was working and Frank Gore got hurt. Frank Gore is going to be back for that game, and Adam Gase loves Frank Gore. Yes, he does. Yes. He absolutely does. Uh, well, where, you know, where does Sam end up next year? Right now, running through my head, I'm going to say San Francisco. Uh, I was thinking. I was thinking that too. Uh, I'll say San Francisco or Indianapolis. It's to pick another outside shot. I'd say Indianapolis. I I see Indy as well. That would, that would be comical though, since we traded up with them uh, to get Sam. And then they're gonna take him off our hands. But um, I think if Sam's gonna revive his career, yeah, it's gonna be either Kyle Shanahan or Frank Reich for sure. You don't want to go anywhere else. Reunited but, with and I his. Think, uh, I think Joe Douglas would do him. Joe Douglas would do him that solid too. I think he owes that to Sam. That you know, if a team like that came calling, you got to put him in the best situation. As long as it's not, you know, you're gonna take the NFC team or the AFC team. You don't want him to come back and bite you in the ass later on. But isn't the most Jets outcome possible here, Danny? That. You win like one or two games, and you get like the second or third overall pick. Isn't that like the most Histor- historically? That's what happens. But also historically, we win that game yesterday. We win that Patriots game, you know, a few weeks ago. They're they're not getting it done anymore. I don't I don't know what kind of sports god is on our on our shoulders right now. But you know, I'm rocking this wave for sure. And it's it's really fun to watch Super for losses. I never thought I'd say that, but this is. Very, very, a very fun time for the Jets. Because we knew it was all over after we three weeks before. We knew it was done. This is crazy. Like, with, when I when I was doing this with the Dolphins, I, my thing was I really didn't want them to go 0-16. And I, and I was confident that 1-15 would still get it done um, that season. I'm not saying it would this season. Uh, so I, I was rooting for them to get their first win. And then after they got the first win... I started to root for losses, but then they started winning again, and then it just got kind of weird. So I didn't. I, I, you're, you're in the home stretch, though. This is December. Like, it's already close to the end. Yeah, and this is when the Jets perform well year after year when they're when they're completely out of it. But, anyways, um, you know, everyone puts this dark shade on 0 16. You know, you look at the Browns. Does anyone remember when they went 0 16? Yes. And look where they are now. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. And if it is, it's on Adam Gates. You just you throw it on Adam Gates. You're like, worst coach in the league. Should never see another head coaching job ever again. In his, you know, in his career, and you move on, and you go get Trevor Lawrence. You go spend your hundred million cap. You know, you have your Seahawks picks from Jamal Adams, and you know you build a great team. And 
this is the division to do it right now because the Bills are playing awesome. The Dolphins are on the rise. I wouldn't say they're awesome yet. And, you know, the Patriots are, they're vulnerable. Yeah, the AFC East looks competitive these next few years, man. But remember... The more the more teams that go zero and sixteen, it's like the less shameful it is. Like, the more and more teams that do it, it's like less of like this super rare isolating thing, and it becomes more commonplace. Because I I remember like the media talk lines went zero and sixteen back in two thousand eight, and it was treated as like this would be like the worst thing in the world. Like no one was saying back then, okay, but at least they'll get the quarterback in the draft. It's like it was like a cardinal sin. Everyone was like, no, 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 you can't go, no matter what. I guess the more it happens, the less shameful it is. No way. So, there's and that. if there's a year, if there's a year to do it, this is the smartest year. And bigger, are you a believer in Trevor? Yeah. Oh no, he's 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 a stud. No, he's he's the goods. I've watched him a lot. Playing in the ACC the last few years, he yeah, he's he he's a stud. He's the guy. He's the, he's the best prospect since, since, what would you say, Lucker or Pate? Uh, it's going to be close, uh, one of the two. Definitely, it's either going to be the best prospect since Luck or the best prospect since Peyton. I would say the best prospect since Peyton, um, but yeah. it's close. No, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's a stud, man. He's, the, the, thing with, the thing with Trevor that differentiates him from, from other like great like surefire NFL quarterbacks of the last, like, se- last few decades is that you knew when he was a true freshman. That's the difference. It's not like, oh, his junior year, he lit up the scoreboard and got his name on the map. It's like, no, no, no. When he was a true freshman, Clemson went 15-0, and he demolished legitimate competition, and it was just immediately obvious to everyone that he was going to be special. Like, he did it at such a young age. And if he wins again this year, too, wow. That's, he's, just, that's he's, the he's lost one game in his college career. One. That was a natty national championship. Yeah, to to a to one of the best teams of all time. So, yeah, no, he, he's special. He's special. Um, I, I just want to go to college. Point, Can I say I'm so- rooting for the Jets? That's the fun part. <laughs> of course you are. Sorry, go, go ahead. Um, the one thing I just want to say about college football quickly, Big Rat, just because I have you here with the playoffs. I think if Ohio State makes it, no matter who they play, if it's Clemson or Alabama, they get their asses kicked. I don't think the defense is good enough. No, um, their secondary is, is too is too thin. Uh, especially since the top teams this year in particular have offenses that are just dynamite, like Bama, Florida, Clemson. Like they could just drop fifty on you in a heartbeat. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, like um, man, Devontae Smith is going to be something special when he gets to the league. He's killing it. Yeah, uh, I love him. Oh, yeah. He he, and, uh, another guy who was produced at a really young age like had had a national championship winning catch when he was a true freshman when he was 18 years old like that dude that dude's got the goods and he could have came out last year too he could have he just he knew that he knew that his stock wouldn't be that good because he was he was coming out the same time as Ruggs and Judy and Ruggs like even though Ruggs wasn't as productive at Bama as Smith was Ruggs has four two wheels like that's always going to get you drafted high yeah um I wanted to ask you guys something right now out of this rookie wide receiver class, um, who do you think is the best right now? Do you think it's Jefferson or do you think it's someone else? I think Jeff. I think Jefferson is the offensive rookie of the year. Period, man. I, I would give it to him. I know a lot of people are going to say Herbert, but but what this kid is doing, bro, it's, by far it's him. He's he 
his rookie numbers rival Randy Moss. Um, Randy Moss wasn't just rookie of the year. Randy Moss got an MVP vote in 1998. Uh, I, I, I think it's close. I think Herbert, like that, that rough day, Griff, where Belichick kind of took Herbert, sat him on his lap, and said, hey, young Kyle, you got a lot to learn about this league, and kind of smacked him around for a bit. Yeah. Uh, if Herbert has more games like that, I think you can kind of see the narrative shift. Or maybe because what Jefferson's doing is so like historic that people will shift. I think Herbert would get it as of now, but I think I think there's enough margin for error that if he has like two or three more bad games, Jefferson could steal it. I yeah, I agree with that. But with uh, Herbert yesterday, like I said, I'll give you 45 reasons why Justin Herbert shouldn't be Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, <laughs> like, oh, that's the other thing too. I just wanted to say quickly. You know, I brought up the whole Anthony Lynn thing. I think he's the guy though. Where I think honestly think. That job is going to be one of the top top ones to get. Because yeah, I like I like Lynn. I I also want to say too to Danny's point from earlier. I think the Jacksonville job is not as coveted as the Detroit. So if I had to rank them, I put Jacksonville's at the bottom just because, like for obvious reasons. But man, that I and I also do. I will say this too. I think Anthony Lynn, even if he does get fired, he'll get an offensive coordinator job somewhere this offseason. Well, uh, yeah, Anthony Lynn's very well-respected around the league, so it won't be hard for him to land on his feet. I will say uh, the Jacksonville job will look a lot better when the Jets beat the Browns and the Jacksonville Jaguars get Trevor Lawrence in the first pick of the draft. So I, I still think the Jags' job would be um, attractive with Justin Fields. And, uh, I, I think I think people would mind out to coach that kid as well. I don't think it's that. I think the Texans' job, you know, surprisingly might be the worst because they have no draft capital. You know, they're in hell. And you know they just all they all they have is the showing. Jalen yeah, wants out, but that's that's not a small thing though. Like to have like one of the best quarterbacks in the league, like that counts for a lot. Yeah. But besides that, they they only they you would only have to wait one year. I'm pretty sure they have all their 2022 picks, so it would just be you know getting through like a really bad draft and then moving on. I'm not saying it's the best job, but I, I do think getting Deshaun is a big. Like, just knowing that you're going to get a great quarterback should count for a lot. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I totally agree with that, Big Rat. Like, I think Deshaun Watson being there is enough to get an attractive head coach. I think maybe it's just the GM job. They're going to have a hard time. Like, that's where you're kind of, like, getting who's ever left over. Like, grabbing some random assistant general manager or, like, a candidate that you never really expected to get the job. It's, what a wild time we're living in. I just want to say that... Uh, not, not to make a whole tangent out of it again. Like I attended a Jets game with Danny like six years ago. <laughs> had a fun time. Like was really excited. And we've talked about doing it again. And now I'm rooting for the Jets to win and he's rooting for them to lose. It's the fucking weirdest thing. And I was a bigger believer in the Dolphins at the start of the year than he was. Yeah. No, no, I'll give you that. I was right that their September defense was awful, which it was. It was awful. But it's gotten a lot better since then. Uh, but yeah, I... I'm with you, Griff. The Texans, uh, I, I just think it counts for a lot with Deshaun. With Detroit, it also depends on, like, ownership and, you know, I mean, if, I mean, it, I think I think having a quarterback just means a lot. Like, it really, sh- as it should, right? Like, I mean, as much as, like, let's say Justin Fields, for example. I'm not saying I don't like the kid, because I do. I do like the kid. I just don't think... His NFL future is like a guarantee 
like it kind of is with Trevor, to the point where if I was a prospective head coach, I would look at Deshaun in Houston and be like, okay, I mean, I know that guy's already great. I'm hoping that Fields can be that good, but I know this guy's already great. So why not just, you know, bird in the hand is better than two in the bush kind of thing. No, I completely agree with that. Like, oh, uh, and the other thing too, I wanted to mention. I, I want to ask Danny. Um, do you think even though, say, if they fire Gates at the end of the year, but also I wanted to remember, remind you too, Hugh Jackson was not fired after they went zero and sixteen. So just take take it with a grain of salt. Um, yep. Yep. Do you think Joe Douglas is gone with Adam Gates in in all reality? Absolutely not. No. Okay. okay. No way. Okay. Just want that. I just think felt like asking. Big guy would agree with that as well. Uh, I I would say I would say most likely I I would say I'm pretty sure that Joe Joe, Joe Douglas is going to come back, but I would not rule it out. I'll just say that. No, you look at Makai back then. You look at Denzel Mims. I know, I know. The, the but guy, the guy, the guy can draft him. He, that was his first draft, and he hit on it. His draft was great. His free agency class was not um, a lot of misses. He was there. ordered not to not to spend money. He couldn't still, money, as he should know. I know, I know. Well, but hold on, hold on. He gave, he gave Rashad Perriman one year $8 million, and the Panthers gave Robbie Anderson one uh, two-year 20. So not a huge that, difference in salary there. Personally. That's going to play out over time, because if they bring in a stud wide receiver this year, he's going to, I'm sure he'll, you know, I, Robbie kind of died off a little bit. He had a great start to the year. Now he's, you know, he, he he's still a 1,000-yard receiver, which he's never done. I, I, I'm just saying you have to recognize that if they do go 0-16, like, I think when you go 0-16, you're always a threat to lose your job. Like, I think that's just I, – I, look, I'm with you. I do think he's probably going to come back. And, like, he deserves to come back. But we talk about Woody Johnson. He comes back from London, and he sees an 0-16 team, and he's going to start pointing the finger and start firing people. Like, it's certainly possible that he's just the like, thing, hey, the, thing, the thing with Joe Douglas, bro – is also he has a six-year contract. He has, he has an extra year on his deal. Yeah, he, he has a six-year deal. Um, Bulls' contract, McCagney con- contract comes out uh, comes off the books after this year. So you know you'd have room to, to fire Gase there, and you know I think Gase is in a three-year deal, so you only got to pay him for a year. You know Joe Douglas got a huge deal, bro. They're not just gonna let go of him and you know pay him that deal for something he didn't do. That's a McCagney team right now. He Joe Douglas does not have his uh, fingerprints all over yet. I would give him a chance, bro. I, 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 I think he's a good GM. Just saying, if you go 0-16, there's always a chance. That's all. That's all. Yeah, and they will go 0-16. If they, Danny, if they lose, if they win a game, I need you on here for, like, instant reaction to that. You, did you not see me melting down on Twitter yesterday? Oh, oh I did. God. I did. I'm just saying, like, on Skype oh. like this. Like, yeah, I need oh, you on the podcast. Like I, I'd, be, I'd be depressed, bro, to come on that next Monday God. after I just lost Trevor Lawrence. Oh, you'd have to give me a week. It, it, it truly is the worst-case scenario to, like, they win a game, they get the second overall pick or something, and it's like the Jets fans have to realize, okay, so we're not getting Trevor, and we went through, like, all of this pain, yep. all of this losing. <laughs> to not be rewarded. It just, it just seems like a very Jetsian outcome. Fireman Ed is crying right now. Could you imagine me sitting on my couch yesterday watching that game, realizing, yo, they they just fucked it up. They just lost Trevor Lawrence. Like, like, the odds were like a 99% chance that they'd win the game. And and to see them lose that game, you know how awesome that was? (laughs) That was literally a highlight 
my Jets fandom right there. As sad as it is, because Trevor Lawrence means that much going forward. Okay. And, I, and you and you couldn't and you couldn't say that about any quarterback unless it's like Andrew Luck. You know, if this was like Jared Goff or Baker Mayfield, who, yeah. no one thought he'd be the number one pick. But you, you know, you you can live with it. But this is Trevor Lawrence, man. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It all makes sense to me. Um, one other question I want to ask you guys, just because uh, I feel like we're running out of, not running out of time, but I feel like we're running out of stuff to talk about. MVP. I just wanted to ask you, because I don't know if I'll have you guys on here before the end of the season again. We'll, we'll try to, because this has honestly been a lot of fun tonight, having not just, I usually, like I said, I've had Danny on. This is Danny's second time. Big Rat's been on countless times. But I just wanted to ask you guys straight up, who do you think is winning the MVP this year? Let me think. Uh, I'm gonna say, I I'm gonna say Rogers. Believe it or not. Um, so I think the MVP, MVP is mainly decided by, MVP is mainly decided by um by seeding. Believe it or not, like the year Brady won it, they were the one seed, and Carson Wentz, his main competition for the award, was also the one seed at the time. Mahomes in 2018, the one seed. And then in 2019, uh, Lamar. Uh, it was Lamar, also the one seed. So this year, I think it's likely to go to one seed. It's just the problem is, if the one seeds are going to be Pittsburgh and New Orleans, there's no clear winner there. Um, because Drew Brees missed so many games. And Big Ben, like, it's really the defense that is the strength of the team. And what are you going to do? Give it to You're not going to give TJ Watt the MVP award. Maybe <laughs> Maybe defensive player of the year, but <laughs> and so I think with Mahomes and Rodgers, I just think that their numbers are going to be close enough that and there's going to be I think some Mahomes fatigue, given that he just got the award like two years ago, and like Rodgers, like twilight of his career, the Jordan Love thing, narration plays a big role. So I'm going to say that I think I think Russ's case is dead. I think it died yesterday. Oh, Russ's case died I think a few weeks ago. After the uh, Ram game. Um, I'm with you on the Rodgers thing. I also just looked it up too. Um, the fact that the Steelers lost to the football team may go a long way because they're right now still undefeated in conference play. Meanwhile, the Chiefs' one loss was to the Raiders. So that Raiders loss may come back to bite them in the ass and get them this, and not get them the bye. But no, just to quickly sum it up, I, I say Aaron Rodgers too. Uh, and also, too, the fact that he's gone... I know he's got Devontae Adams, but the fact, too, that every week he's made someone else look good. Like, one week it's Lazard, one, a bunch of weeks it's Adams, obviously, but then you have guys like Robert Tanyan, Valdez Scantling, Jamal Williams, Aaron yeah. Jones. Like, he's really doing this all with even without, too, a uh, cast of characters that's not relatively unknown, but not the best when you could have better. What do you got, Danny? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you guys. I, you you got to go with Rodgers because just because of the talent around him. I know Devontae's a stud, probably the best receiver in the league, if not top two, this year at least. Um, he's just – he's making it happen. And, and that point with the, with the Jordan Love really um, – that, that that made a lot of sense to me. So, as of today, yeah, I'm going to give it to Aaron Rodgers. Mahomes is close. Uh, I think these next games is going to determine between him and, uh, and Rodgers. What, what, one argument in Rodgers' favor is that – it's part of like a weekly NFL routine. Like I saw someone, I saw I think it was uh, Greg Rose was on a podcast today. The the, the weekly Marquez Valdez Scantling like seventy yard drop 
like <laughs> like we associate like when, when one of our main associations with the offense is like one of his skill players fucking up on a weekly basis that kind of enhances the argument of like he has less to work with so to speak um yeah so i, I think I, I think we're all in agreement on rogers and and griff your patriots you're the the, the trudging back remember I remember I was on your show when they were like two and five, and everyone said they sucked. And Danny said they they were done. They 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 got some fight to them. I will say this right now. Um, you, Big Rat may hate me for this, but I think right now, if I had to pick coach of the year, my pick right now is Kevin Stefanski. But uh, I, I I think he's done a good job. I think he's done a good. <laughs> I just think that, I just think the problem fronts, but I think he's done a really good job. But I'm gonna say this right now: if we make the playoffs. That single-handedly, Bill Belichick deserves Coach of the Year. Um, the only other person I think that could oh. win the award right now is Sean Payton. But if Bill Belichick somehow gets New England into the playoffs, greatest coaching feat that he's ever done, maybe with the exception of twenty-eight to three. I think you got to go, uh, um, Flores, bro. I think Flores would be my Coach of the Year. Well, let's see. Let's see how the Dolphins finish uh, if they if they make playoffs. But yeah. even still, man, just. To, just to turn that turn that team into a winning team, you know, in, in so short an amount of time, I think that that deserves a lot of credit. The problem is the Stefanski argument is going to be strong because it's like, oh, holy shit, the Browns are in the playoffs. Like it's going to be, it's yeah, gonna, it's going to be hard for voters to ignore. I mean, I personally would prefer Flores also um, for biased and unbiased reasons, of course. Uh, but I do think that narrative will help Stefanski a little bit. It would be it would be incredible that like this is the year. When Belichick wins Coach of the Year, not not all those years when they were like winning Super Bowls. Like this year is the one. I think he won it in two thousand seven. Um, I, I believe I could be wrong. I'm gonna look uh, that up. It's like it's like hilarious that like the ten and six team digging out of the two and five. And by the way, Griff, I don't disagree with you. Like I would. I mean, like this team is winning games almost entirely off of coaching. It's just it's 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 like Belichick should have like 10 coaches of the year you know he shouldn't just have like three or whatever he has right now he has three 2003 2007 and 2010 2020 yeah it's been 10 years I think a nice sleeper too uh, would be Sean McDermott I don't think we talked a lot about the Bills um, today but oh you say say that after they score a long touchdown conveniently man they show Robert Sala on camera just after that like man buff the Bills are Fuck, I hate I I honestly hate to see the Bills like I prefer I prefer Miami were winning. Like I don't have any problems with the Dolphins. I cannot stand Bills Mafia. Oh yeah, me neither, man. Well, Grip, I think I well you, we both both of our teams get to play the Bills again. We yeah. get a chance to kind of crush their dreams a little bit. Griff, uh, I looked this up today. The Patriots actually now have a higher point differential in the year than the Bills do. Although that might change after this game. Yeah. But, um, they already have twenty four. Uh, I think I think I, in my opinion, you may not agree. I do not think your toughest game left is is the Bills game. Uh, I think it's this Thursday because uh, the the Rams the Rams defense is just so tough. They're so hard to score on, and your offense, which is playing better, you know, and the running game is elite. Uh, that that would be my concern on the road on a short week. Um, that's what I think the biggest challenge is. I actually think Bills at home. It's like you can feel a little comfortable about that. You almost beat them the first time. The Patriots, Patriots have been playing a lot better in Gillette, even though there's no fans for whatever reason. They've been better at home this year. Uh, so that's just my opinion. I don't know if, before we log off. I just didn't know if you felt the same. 
You, to be honest with you, I do. Because, look, and also, too, you don't know what Jared Goff you're going to get from week to week. So, if Jared Goff, like, if we can disrupt him the same way they got to Justin Herbert yesterday, like, the there's a very good chance the Patriots win this game. But if we let Jared Goff have his way in the pocket and our offensive line just can't stop Aaron Donald and, and like, our receiving can't go well because of Jalen Ramsey. Because, like, we saw... Easily what Jalen Ramsey is capable of this year. Like, Jalen Ramsey's had an unbelievable season. Maybe the best of his career. Like, yeah. he's, he's kicking ass this year. Yeah, he's had, a, he's had a pretty big bounce back year. But, no, I just wanted to say that where I believe that if we win this Thursday, what's stopping us? That's the one thing I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, all you would have left are three AFC East games. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you do really well when playing the division, so, yeah. Exactly. So that's where I think that, hey... It ain't over till it's over, but they really got to win this Thursday night. And if they can come, you know what, short week, they're in California still, but if they find, just find a way to beat, find a way to beat the LA Rams, oh my God, I'm going to be one happy person. Until until Belichick punts on week 17 to make sure that the Jets can't get Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, to, yeah, to Danny's we're, point. We're going to We'll, we'll run James Morgan out there if we have to, man. <laughs> Trust man. me. Belichick hates the Jets. There's no way in hell he's if he can have the satisfaction of making them go 0 and 16, he's going to capitalize on it. Uh, that's probably true. Sadly. Yeah. Damn it, Jets! Jets going to beat the Seahawks next week. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's go, Jaguars at Bears, man. Jaguars <laughs> at Bears. Oh. Uh. Man, one thing I gotta say about this game right now, just before we log off quickly, is man, Robert Sala's defense is not looking good tonight. No, not at all. No. Not at all. Like I the, man, the cover, I mean, the cover, like if if he's playing a lot a heavy like cover three zone, like how the Seahawks do, um, which is what he was doing at least last year. Uh, the Bills destroyed the Seahawks, you know, earlier this year, like absolutely torched them. So we'll see. We'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, before we go, though, Danny, Big Rat, do you guys have any other, any last words? Go Jets! Um, Dolphins are doing good this year, man. Keep it up. I'm happy for you. Very happy for my boy Big Rat. We're 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 very happy with the team as well. I just don't want to see Fitz play quarterback anymore. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's see let's see if they can win a playoff game this year. That'd be cool. So. We'll see. Taking it one week at a time, like Chris. Yeah. Until oh. Trevor Lawrence is in your division. Um, <laughs> I do have one thing to say, though, this year. With the, all the attendances being, like, either no one in the crowd. Oh, my God. They just had another pick in Buffalo. Oh, my God. That's that's terrible. That's, oh, you got that. Oh, good Lord. The, the, the Niners were favorited in this game, too. Yeah. Man, Nick Mullins showing his true colors. Um, the one take I wanted to have quickly, and I just want to see if you guys agree with me on this, is I honestly don't think that home field is going to matter this playoffs. I think there's a good chance you see a lot of wild card or just, let's see. Oh, that's on Ayuk. That's not on uh, Mullins. Um, that's yeah. just one thing I want to say is I honestly don't think home field is going to matter this coming playoffs. I think it's going to depend. Um, I think you're largely right. I don't think it'll matter that much. Um, I will say, like, it's like like uh, the Dolphins' home stadium, you know, because they do, because, you know, with our governance, uh, they are allowed to have 25% capacity in their outdoor stadium. And 
it does like I, I, me having been there once like it does it does feel loud in there like even though there's not a whole lot of people like you can it sounds like you can feel the noise and the players have said that too now whether that'll matter in the playoffs I have no idea but um I think there might be like one or two stadiums where it will matter but for the large part it won't matter so I would agree with you there I think one of the ones that matters is the Superdome to be honest yep where is the uh, where's the Super Bowl playing this year? Tampa. Tampa. Oh, so there'll be a little bit of fans then, huh? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. I think they're hoping yeah, for. I was gonna say that. that would have been weird. Yeah, I think they're hoping for fifteen to twenty thousand. Jeez, imagine how expensive those tickets are gonna be. <sighs> they're gonna yeah, like it's it's gonna be insane. It's gonna be. I'm gonna have to make some tough life decisions when I have to consider going for the Dolphins. You know. <laughs> for you, it's only what like a quick two hour drive up the Florida Turnpike there. Yeah, it's like it's like three and a half, but yeah. Oh, what makes sense? Yeah, I mean, when Honestly, the, when the uh, Dolphins repeat the the trajectory of the two thousand one Patriot, it's what am I supposed to do? Breeze Listen, versus my, my Tua. My theory here: put put all these remaining playoff teams in a bubble. You know, cancel cancel the rest of the season for the losing teams, and uh, you know, get it going then. Oh, so the Jets are conveniently locked into the first overall pick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, Big Rat, I have an idea of what we should do to determine the number one overall pick. What? So you know how the Pro Bowl got canceled this year? Yeah. Can we get the Jets to play the Jaguars in just like a primetime Saturday night game to determine Ooh. who gets Trevor? I've all, I've loved this idea. I've, I've loved this idea for years. Having the two worst teams go at it, like playing into it would be hilarious. Like if you get like a quarterback like Sam Darnold intentionally throwing interceptions, like <laughs> not let the Jets draft his replacement. It's like, it would be like. Do you guys watch South Park? Uh, time. Do you remember the episode, the baseball episode, where they were trying to intentionally lose because they hated playing baseball? Yes, I do. I do. That's so what it would be like. <laughs> It'd be fun. They go out to do the coin toss. It's just, hey guys, here's um, our exact game plan, and here's all the audibles we're going to call throughout the game. <laughs> going to be an interesting four weeks, man. It is, and I think interesting the, four weeks. Yeah, I thank the two of you for coming on here very much, guys. This was a lot of fun tonight, having not just Big Rat or Danny at once, but no, both of them together in the same Skype uh, podcast. It was a lot of fun, boys. Thank you very much for being free tonight. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, it was a pleasure, man. It was a pleasure to be back with uh, with my friends. It was fun. That's the attitude I love to hear. Well, anyway, guys, enjoy. Well, week 12, week 13 still going on. But anyway, guys, we'll be back for a week 14 preview this coming Wednesday night. So stay tuned for that. But anyway, guys, we'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to episode 46 of YWC Football Talk. <laughs> Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. 
wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.